Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Title of tonight's message is Decision Making and the Will of God. We live in a very busy world. We live in a sin cursed world. And everything about us is discouraging us from making decisions based on the will of God. Everything in this world is prompting you to make emotional decisions, selfish decisions. Decisions that sometimes are contrary to God's will. I hope tonight that you'll come to an understanding of just how important making decisions according to God's will is. If you look out into the laboratory of life, you can clearly see the difference. People that are intent on doing God's will tend to have better marriages, tend to have better kids, tend to overall have better lives. Not necessarily easier lives, but lives in which they're at peace and they have a joy in their soul. As opposed to people who many times claim to be Christian, but do what they want to do. Their life is guided by the fads. We dress according to the fads. We, we watch whatever is popular on TV. We go to things that everybody else goes to. We want to do what everybody else does. We, we, we don't want to be different. This is counterculture to all that. And you're going to have to be really serious and really brave to live what we're preaching tonight. In Colossians, it was written because the church at Colossae was having some problems. There were some false teachers there, spreading false teaching. Epaphras, who was the pastor there in the church, needed answers. So he travels all the way to Rome to find the Apostle Paul, because he knew he could get true answers there. He didn't try to lead that church based on his feelings. Didn't want to make decisions based on what was popular or what was cool. He didn't take a vote to find out what doctrines they ought to believe or not believe. He wanted to, if you will, with all due respect to the Apostle Paul, he wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth. So it took him, no doubt, months to get there. And when he gets there, Paul writes his response down for him to take back not only to the Colossians, but then preserved it, because what he wrote to the Colossians applies equally to you and I. This letter, folks, could have just as easily been written to the church at Mayo. In our other lesson on Colossians, because we're just barely into it, it was basically a a, a greeting and an expression of of gratitude. And then we get down to verse number 9, and he says the following. Colossians 1, verse number 9. He says, for this cause all, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And again, there it is. Prayer. I mean, from cover to cover in the Bible, that is a major theme. 
And it ought to be a major theme in our lives. I know we're weak. I know we're frail. I know we get busy, but we need to just keep working at it to make prayer a priority. It's always coming up in Scripture. And here the Apostle Paul says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And now he's going to tell them what he is praying for for them. Here it is. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. He says, we're praying. It is paramount, church in Colossae. It is paramount, church at Mayo, that you be filled, that they be filled, that we be filled with the knowledge of his will. And then he explains a couple things there. In all wisdom and understanding. And then he goes on to say, explaining again what he's praying for for them, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then he concludes in telling them what he's praying for. He tells them, I'm praying that ye be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Paul tells the Colossians here that he is praying for them. Some passages of Scripture, when I prepare them to present to you, are confounding. They're hard. And you try to figure out, what's what's he saying, and what's this mean, and how does it apply to us? This passage is easy. It, It outlines so easy what I just read to you. Paul tells the Colossians he prays for them for three things. Number one, to know God's will. It's very clear. This, 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 you can outline this passage so easy. He says, number one, I want you to know God's will. And then he says, I want you to do God's will. And then number three in that passage that we just read, and we're going to break it down. He says, I want you to be strengthened to do God's will. He prays for this because he knows this is what God wanted for them. He's praying for them to know, do, and be strengthened for God's will because he knows he's got a special connection as an apostle with God. He he gets divine revelation from God. He's got a pipeline to heaven, if you will. He knows what God wants for them, and he said, this is what I'm praying for you. And if he were alive today... The situation was similar. He'd be praying the same thing for our church. You see, there were people in the church that were attempting to lead them out of God's will. You know, and and I I told I told my son Matt today, I said, people seem to get a pass if they just say, I love Jesus. Oh, well, then, you know, then everything's fine. Believe whatever you want to believe because you love Jesus, so that's your pass, you know. Do not go to jail, you know, just keep on going, go directly to go, collect $200. You know, that's what, that's what people are, are, are thinking. But that's not what you read in the Bible. There were people there that were trying to lead them out of God's will. 
verse number 8 of, of the second chapter. We'll get to it. In the same passage, I mean, in the same book that he's talking about knowing God's will, we get some insight. He says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We have to constantly be seeking and searching for the truth of God's word. And we've got to be careful not to let people lead us astray or lead us out of God's will. This is what God's want for us. God wants us to live according to his will. The Bible is very clear about that. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oftentimes when we think about the will of God, we think about, for some reason, teenagers and college students. Well, you've got to find God's will. You've got to seek God's will. Look, every retiree in this room, you need to be in God's will. Every middle-aged person in this room, God's will is just as important to you today as it is to the guy graduating from um, Lancaster, you know, West Coast Baptist College. They had their graduation today. And, you know, God's will is important for those graduates as they were handed their diplomas, as they walked across the platform. Hey, God's will is important for me tomorrow, for me today, for you tomorrow, for you today. God has a will for you. What is the will of God? I love this definition from R.C. Sproul. The will of God refers to what is pleasing and agreeable to God. It expresses something of the attitude of God to his creatures. Some things are well-pleasing in his sight, while other things are said to grieve him. I like the way that definition starts off. The will of God refers to what is pleasing and agreeable to God. Some Christians don't want to know because some Christians are determined, I'm going to live my life on my terms. That's a very bad position to be in. Why should this matter to you? Why, if you are not consciously making decisions according to God's will, why should that change tonight? Why why should you change the way you think and even the way you live tonight? Well, I heard this illustration. It says, a bird is free in the air, but place a bird in water, and he won't survive. A fish, on the other hand, is free in water. But place a fish in the air and he will not survive. What's the point? A Christian is free in the will of God, but suffers greatly outside the will of God. The will of God should be as natural for the child of God as water is to the fish and air is to the bird. The will of God ought to be very important to every one of us in this room. It's something we should be conscious of in making all of our decisions in life. I like this quote from Warren Wearsby. He says, the safest place in the world is in the will of God. Harry Ironside said, 
The greatest mistake any Christian can make is to substitute his own will for the will of God. So let's go back to the passage now. God's word is powerful. For you to hear God's word tonight, you're hearing something powerful. People are in search of the truth today. So let me give you the truth. You can hear all sorts of opinions on news programs and talk shows and what have you. Uh, Thy word is truth. God's word is true. So let's look at that passage tonight and and see several things. We've already mentioned them, but let's let's look at them uh, again. God wants you to know his will. God wants you to walk in his will. God wants to strengthen you to walk in his will. So number one, God wants you to know his will. Paul says, I pray for you ever since I've heard about you. And he says, first of all, that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Think about it. There's a lot of things that Paul could have prayed for for these people. That you have good homes, that you have good jobs, that you have safety, that you not experience disease and plagues that were common in that day, that you not uh, face, um, you know, uh, tyrants and what have you. But what does he pray for? None of that, at least not in this passage. That ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now let me explain. When we talk about the will of God... A lot of preachers, and I think rightfully so, uh, so, divide it up this way. There's the general will of God that we should all be aware of and act upon. And then there's the personal will of God. The general will of God are, is God's will concerning everybody. God has a general will as to how all of us should handle our finances. God has a general will on how all of us could, should operate our families. He has a general will about all of us being prayer warriors. He's got a general will about us all being evangelistic. And we should want to know God's general will about doctrine, about theology, about you know, family, about marriage. God has a general will that applies to me and my wife and you and your spouse. But then there's God's specific will that applies to you personally. You're dealing with a problem. I really believe that God has a specific will for you as to how you are to properly handle that problem. When to change jobs. Not everybody in this room may be in a position to be thinking about that, but you may be. You need to consider God's will. Who to marry. That's the specific will of God. Whether to buy a car. What what car to buy. I don't have it on the screen, but... John MacArthur says, the better we know God's general will, the easier it will be to determine his specific guidance in daily life. So Paul starts off, number one, saying, I want you to know God's will. Now, the good news there is that's implying that we can, that we can know God's will. That is encouraging. The God who created us, who wants what's best for us, who loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross. He has a will for me. I know it's going to be good. So after he says, I want you to know God's will, he gives us two sub-points under that. Like I said, this one was easy to outline. He said, I want you to know God's will in all wisdom. Key to knowing God's will is wisdom. 
Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord giveth wisdom. To know God's will, you have to have God's wisdom. You're not going to know God's will through your feelings, through the, the flesh, or fads that are going on out there. If you're making decisions based on what's popular or what you feel like doing, no way you're going to be in God's will. If you truly want to know God's will, he says in that verse, in all wisdom. And again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowing God. And then he says, the second sub-point under point number one, he says, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. To know God's will, you've got to have spiritual understanding. You've got to have spiritual maturity. And by the way, you're never going to gain God's wisdom or spiritual understanding by ignoring God's word, ignoring God's house, ignoring God's preacher, ignoring the preaching. You have to feed on the Word to gain wisdom, to gain spiritual understanding. You're you're not going to know God's will through worldly wisdom or wisdom of the flesh. You're just not going to get it there. To know God's will, you have to have wisdom. You have to have spiritual understanding. If you lack spiritual maturity, you're going to struggle. And if you don't have enough appreciation for God's word, the preaching of it, and the teaching of it, and you skip Sunday school or church or don't have your daily devotions, you don't take advantage of some drive time and listening to some good preaching, you're not going to be so wise. If you're not so wise, you're not going to be able to have that spiritual understanding. You're not going to be in the center of God's will. And again, that's the safest place to be. Elizabeth Elliot, many of you have heard of her. She said this, and I quote, The will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the Son of God or you capitulate to the principle which governs the rest of the world. You're going to either live according to God's world or you're going to just live like all the lost folks out there. You have to make a conscious decision that God's will is the driving number one force in your life. Paul said, I'm praying for you. Number one, to know God's will. Number two, not only does God want you to know his will, but here's where some of us get left out. He wants you to walk in his will. He wants you to do his will. In verse number 10, we're in that same passage that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. He just said, I want you to know God's will. And then he says, why? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Knowing God's will puts you in a position to live God's will. And he says, walk worthy. That means live consistent with your identification with the Lord who saved you. He says, walk worthy. 
Live consistent. You identify yourself with Christ, then live that way. Don't come to church on Sunday or Wednesday and then the rest of the week just talk like everybody else at work and laugh at everything else that, that everybody else, you know, laughs at. Well, pastor, they'll think I'm odd. They'll think I'm strange. They thought Jesus odd and strange too. And I know it's not easy. You know, we want to be liked. We want to be appreciated. You know, I, I understand that. But God will test us often as to whether we're just mouthing words or whether, whether or not we're really committed. Walk worthy. Live consistent. God's will is to be lived out in your life daily. And he says, unto all pleasing. In other words, God is watching our daily walk. And as we walk in accordance to his will, it is pleasing to him. I need to please him. And you need to please him. And we need to be, quote, on his good side much better than we need to be on the folks at work, you know, the lost folks at work's good side. That should be more important to us, unto all pleasing. Living according to the will of God allows for two benefits. Now, he says that ye might walk, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And just like under point number one, to know the will of God, there were two subpoints that he had there. Same here. Under the second point, where he talks about walk worthy of the Lord, he's got two subpoints. Living according to the will of God allows for two benefits. Number one, he says, being fruitful in every good work. When you walk in his will, you put yourself in a position to be blessed. When you're walking in God's will, you'll experience the good work of being a good spouse. You'll experience the good work, the fruitful work of being a good parent. Because if you're in God's will, you're going to be the best spouse. If you're in God's will, you're going to be the best parent. Good works means that you're going to be good at spreading the gospel, serving in church. So he says, I want you to walk in my will, which means, point, sub-point number one, being fruitful in every good work. And then he says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. These are the benefits of walking in God's will. Not only knowing God's will, but committed, committed to leave, living God's will, both at work, at school, wherever you might be. He says one of the benefits is being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When you live God's will, you're going to grow in maturity through an increased knowledge of God. And as you become more mature as a Christian, as you become more mature as a Christian, the drama in your life is going to subside. It's maturity that's going to keep you safe. It's maturity that's going to keep you effective. It's maturity that's going to keep you joyful. It's maturity that's going to keep you on the right path. How does that happen? Well, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's huge benefit, benefits to being in God's will. Your flesh is going to fight you. Your flesh is going to, I want to dress the way I want to dress. I'm going to handle my money the way I want to handle my money. I'm going to court who I want to court. I'm going to do, do whatever I want to do. 
I like this quote. He who has learned to seek nothing but the will of God shall always find what he seeks. Outside the will of God, whatever you're seeking, that you're looking to find satisfaction in, you'll never find it. So he says, I'm praying for you, Colossians. He could have just as well said, I'm praying for you, Myo Baptist Church. And I'm praying, number one, number one, that you will know God's will. Because that's critical. If you think about it, it's critical to everything else. Then number two, I'm going to pray that you walk in God's will. And then number three, what he's saying here is, I'm going to help you. Number three, God wants to strengthen you to walk in his will. He says, strengthen with all might. God's will, let's just be real and balance. God's will is always best, but it may not always be easy. If you think that becoming a Christian means, you know, you take up permanent residence at 235 Easy Street, not so. God's will is always best. But it isn't always easy. For some people, God's will might be a a struggle all their lives, but it's God's will to allow you to demonstrate the grace of God in a very great way to family and friends, and it may last all your life. Or it may be a single trial that you go through that the Lord allows you to go down deep. Listen, God's will for Moses wasn't easy. God's will for Joseph wasn't easy. And certainly God's will for Jesus wasn't easy. But the good news is God is our source of strength to do his will. As he's talking about knowing his will, doing his will, then he says, strengthen with all might. God is our source of strength to do his will. God's will is for us to be pure. Living in Sodom and Gomorrah as we do, it's going to take God to help us. We're going to need his strength. God's will is for us to be generous, but living in this very narcissistic age where it's all about us, we're going to need God's strength to help us be faithful to do his will to be generous. The good news is God will give us exactly what we need. He has remarkable power available for us. So the third thing he says here is strengthen with all might. And just like he had subpoint one and two for point number one and subpoint one and two for point number two, this one, point number three, God wants to strengthen you in his will. He's got two subpoints as well. Number one, he has remarkable power available for us. As he's talking about the will of God, he says, according to his glorious power. Yeah, it can be hard to live God's will with a spouse that's difficult. It may be very hard to live for God going to a school where everything you're taught is contrary to God. It, it, it may be hard at work to... Keep a pure mind when everything there is contrary to God's will. And you're going to need some strength. But he says, according to his glorious power. 
couple quotes here. It is called glorious power on account of the admirable mode of conquering the devil, the world, and the flesh. I was talking to somebody today about, oh yeah, I was talking to one of the state troopers today and how they were concerned about protecting a a building. They had gotten word, he told me, that someone was possibly going to drive a bulldozer uh, uh, into this building, and they were contemplating as, as state police troopers as to what they could do to prevent that from from happening. And, and it would take it would take a great deal of power. The uh, the gentleman said to stop a bulldozer. This is glorious power because it's stopping the devil. It's stopping the world. It's stopping flesh. And he says we are strengthened according to his glorious power. I like this other quote from Biblical Illustrator. Moreover, that power must necessarily be very admirable and glorious, which makes feeble men clothed with sinful flesh to overcome the insults and the wiles of devils, the alarms of solicitations of the flesh, the hatred, snares, and injuries of the whole world. Out of this glorious power, God himself speaks. God is saying, I want you to know my will. I want you to do my will. And he says, I will give you my glorious power. Which, as I read it, God is acknowledging that his will is wonderful but his will can be work, and it will be challenged. But he will be there for us. And then it says his, his power will provide three critical components for success, and we're done. As he ends up these verses talking about his will, and he says there, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power, and then he ends it by saying to this, unto all patience. My glorious power is going to give you patience. This means enduring difficult circumstances, that you don't succumb to the suffering. And that implies that if you do God's will, sometimes there's going to be some difficult circumstances. But his glorious power will help you uh, unto all patience. And he says long-suffering. This means enduring difficult people. I'd never read or studied that distinction before between patience and long-suffering. But patience generally deals with going through difficult circumstances. Long-suffering means dealing with difficult people. And it means you don't retaliate. And then he ends it on a very positive note with joyfulness. Joy is therefore independent of both circumstances and People. The most joyful epistle Paul wrote was Philippians, and he wrote it from jail as he faced the possibility of being martyred for his faith. And he was in God's will, I might add. But the circumstances and the people that he was dealing with, he was given the patience, he was given the long-suffering, and he was given joyfulness. We here at Mile Baptist Church, and I'm preaching to myself tonight, we need to understand and not fear God's will, but embrace it. Paul said, I'm praying for you, Colossians. 
My prayer is that you will know God's will. My prayer is that you will walk in God's will, that you'll live it out daily. And then he says, I will strengthen you to do God's will. A couple quotes were done. His strength is there to help us meet all of life's challenges and to endure and overcome problems with circumstances requiring patience and people requiring long-suffering with joy. Next quote says, For each one of us there is only one thing necessary to fulfill our destiny according to God's will, to be what God wants us to be. And Harry Ironside says, The greatest mistake any Christian can make is to substitute his own will for the will of God. So let's go back and we're done. Let's read that passage in its totality. I told you there were three main points there. Knowing God's will, walking in God's will, being strengthened to do God's will. And there were two sub-points explaining or giving insight into those three main points. Here it is. Imagine Paul writing this 2,000 years ago. He writes to the Colossians, a church he had never been to. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not sense to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding. Number two that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And number three, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and that providing for us patience, long-suffering, and even in the midst of difficulties, joyfulness. All of our decisions should be made with our primary concern being the will of God. The will of God means there are some things, some decisions that we make, if we're not careful, the decision we make will not be agreeable with God. God wants us to make decisions that are agreeable with him. It's a wonderful thing to know that we can live God's will, know God's will, and be strengthened to do God's will. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.